And as this is a time of joy and reflection, like a lot of different holidays, I'd like us to be mindful that this will also be a time of sorrow and pain for some. Um, there might be some fathers who, for whatever reason, cannot see their children, um, some children who cannot see their fathers, and this might be a very painful time. And for those people, if you're here, I just want to let you know that the father, father of all consolation and comfort is here right now. And that father is consoling you and will console you this day. And we're going to keep all of you in prayer. As Christians, and I believe on some level as just human beings, when you really come down to thinking about life, I think that we'll all admit, even if it's on our deathbed, we'll all admit that this whole thing has not been about money, it's not been about fame, it's not been about power, but this whole thing is about love. Over and over again in this church, you've heard how love is the central thing, that if we don't get the love thing down, then nothing else matters. But for some reason, even though we know that intellectually, it's hard for us to do. There's something about love. You'll ask people, what does the world need? You know, what do we need for the situations of poverty? What do we need for the situation in the foreign lands? What do we need in the situation in our homes? And people will tell you, love, love, all we need is love. But there's something about it they don't want to do it. It's almost like exercise. I mean, we know exercise is good for us, but we're going to sit up and read them Cheetos and watch American Idol all day, right? I mean, we know eating healthy is right, but we're going to buy them Twinkies by the box. That's just what we do. For some reason, even though we know something is the right thing to do, something kind of pulls us to not wanting to do it. And I guess the natural question that I had about this is why? Why? What is the thing about love that even though we know that's the thing to do, we kind of hesitate from doing that? And I think there's a lot of possibilities of possible answers for that question. But right now, I kind of want to just throw out one possibility. We understand that love bears all things, hopes all things. But what love does is it entails a certain level of vulnerability and actually placing oneself in a state or circumstance where one has to be vulnerable to another person. There's a possibility of being broken. There's a possibility of being hurt. There's a possibility of being wounded. Now, I'm going to give a news flash right here. There's two things that I want to kind of say why this is a problem. The first thing is human beings don't like pain. How many people here just love pain? Emotional, physical, none of us like that pain. We, we spend a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of, and a lot of energy to shield ourselves from all types of pain. Whether it's fi financially buffering ourselves, whether it's building elaborate houses or living in elaborate places or actually causing distances between relationships, we don't like pain as human beings, and so we do our best to shield ourselves from it. We don't like being vulnerable. We don't like being broken. We don't like being wounded. Now, that's the, hum that's the human aspect, but I think there is another reason that is more central to certain Christians. As Christians, we want to demonstrate the power and victory of God. Um, you know, like the song, went to the enemy's camp. We want to live that. We want to live victoriously. We want to be protected and strong and whole. And we want our leaders to be holy. We want our churches to be whole. And that's fine. And that's, that's a good thing. I really do believe that God wants us to be healed. God wants us to, to exert authority over Satan. God wants that. So I'm not denying that. However, I'm wondering with that thought that some things might get into the mix and some things might get overlooked. There are certain Christian theologies out there that I believe might put a lot of overemphasis on the victory and triumph of God 
to the point that any sign of weakness, any sign of pain, any sign of defeat or hurt can be equated with a lack of faith. You'd be healed if you had more faith. You'd be out of financial poverty if you, were, if you had more faith. Your family would be whole if you had more faith. Or sometimes it actually leads to the inability to minister because of certain things that may have happened in your life or certain hurts that you might have gone through in your life. To, to some people, your life might not demonstrate the wholeness of God and therefore you're not qualified to really share the gospel and share the love of God with other people. And let's do some math here. If living in love really does imply being vulnerable, and that means being open to hurt or displaying hurt, but your belief and your circumstances and everything around you tells you that being broken and weak is not good, you're going to be living in a tension there. If the theology that you have really tells you that you have to be whole, whatever that means, and you have to be living in victory, whatever that means, but you realize that you're living in hurt, you're living in pain, and even though you're being healed, there's some things in your past that other people might not like, but you want to minister, that might be a tension there. And I really believe that there's a lot of people that live in that tension. We want to be whole, we want to live in the victory of God, and we definitely don't want to be broken or wounded. But we are wounded and we are hurt. And we have to live with that. And so I was praying, I'm like, well, Lord, what in my life, what, what, what scripture, what can you give me something from the Bible that can help us deal with this? And I, re- I really believe that the Holy Spirit spoke to me and gave me a word here. We're going to read from 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, starting at um, chapter 1, starting at verse 3. 2 Corinthians, chapter 1, starting at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all consolation, who consoles us in our affliction, so that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction with the consolation with which we ourselves are consoled by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are abundant for us, so also our consolation is abundant through Christ. If we are being afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. If we are being consoled, it is for your consolation, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we are also suffering. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our consolation. Now here in this second letter to the Corinthians, Paul is basically giving a benediction to the Corinthians, um, talking about what he believes God has done for him, and in that, opening the letter. Um, In this opening letter, though, he speaks some very profound truths about God. First of all, he shows how he believes that God consoles him in his trials and tribulations. These things called afflictions, he was talking about some of the things that he endured for the sake of the gospel, some of the, the hardships and the anxieties and the pains. So he noted, that, he noted that God consoles him in his tribulations, which in, his, in, in itself is good. But there's another thing that he puts here. He also notes that the God that consoled him in his affliction does that so that out of his own consolation, out of, out of the consolation that he gets from his afflictions, that he, console, he can console the Corinthian church. Now, this benediction exhibits a major theme that's all across um, 2 Corinthians, the letter. And that theme is this, that weaknesses 
afflictions, pains, can actually be used by God to exhibit the power of God. Again, that theme is that weaknesses, afflictions, pains can be used by God to exhibit the power of God. Now, this is a little different from saying that God always works to bring good out of any bad situation. And we know that that's true. That's very true. But I think this is a little more profound. In this simple greeting, he's asserting to his audience a dramatic possibility. God can actually use affliction, actually use trouble as a conduit or a pipeline through which God's power can flow. The stuff that we go through, the process, the stuff that I went through to bring you this word, all the hurts and the pains and all the stuff that it, made, it, it brought up in me, God used that and the, and the consolation for that so that I could give you consolation. Now, I admit to you, on the surface, it sounds stupid. It, it really it does. It's like, so in other words, what you're telling me is that someone's suffering, your pain, your weakness, could be anybody's strength. It can't even be your strength. How in the world can your weakness be your strength? But here's something we have to understand. There's a lot of kingdom principles that are kind of upside down. You know what I'm talking about? That, that first shall be last and last shall be first. And that if you want to be the greatest of all, you have to be the servant of all, that kind of stuff. So that's what kind of kills me. And even though my common sense says this doesn't make any sense, because we're dealing with kingdom principles, I have to kind of look at this. So the question comes, how is this done? And Paul makes it plain. It's done through Christ. Again, for just as the sufferings of Christ are abundant for us, so also our consolation is abundant through Christ. Now, he's not just talking about the by and by far and away, you know, the consolation that we have because we are, we are receiving salvation from Christ. He is actually talking about in the present now, in the present now, that Christ and his power can sustain people and heal people and deliver people in the situations that they're in and actually use that weakness for his strength. Now, this benediction is in the Second Corinthians, but I think that there's a more familiar passage. At least it was more familiar to me, and I kind of want to read from that. It's also in Second Corinthians, and it deals with the same thing. In the letter, um, there's these people that are basically talking about Paul and saying, you know, well, Paul ain't nothing. You know, he thinks he's a big old apostle, but we do all this other stuff. And so in this letter, he's responding to those, apost those super apostles. And he's basically kind of boasting, but he's not boasting in the conventional sense. In this one part, he is talking about this vision that he gets of heaven, and he sees all these different things, and he gets this information, this knowledge that is too, you know, wondrous to utter, you know, that he says God says. But he says something very interesting right after he mentions that. 2 Corinthians 12, starting at 7b. 2 Corinthians 12, 7b. Therefore, to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ might dwell in me. Therefore, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is, very, this is very, very powerful stuff. He, ha he has all this stuff to go on. I mean, he's preached to all these different people. He has this vision from God, if anything. 
but he decides to boast in his weakness for a specific reason. Because he says, in my weakness, God's grace was present, and in my weakness, the power of Christ was dwelling in me. Now, check this out. It's possible for Christ to show up through weakness, pain, and affliction. It's possible in, 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 the, in the devastated state that you're in, in the painful state that you're in, 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 that, in that grim hole that you think that you're in, that the power of God can actually work through that. Now, what does this have to do with this love issue? I'm, let, me, let me put it in the form of some questions. If it is truly the case that the power of Christ can be made perfect in weakness and pain, and love entails vulnerability to a certain extent, then why do we, and I, when I say we, I'm meaning we, we the people of the church, why do we continue to act like weakness and vulnerability is such a bad thing? Why do we continue to want to act like super Christians? Why do we want to continue to act like we have it all together? Wouldn't it make more sense for us to just op own up to our own pains and our own hurts and our own feelings instead of trying to make ourselves these holy robots as it were? How you doing, brother? Oh, I'm blessed in the Lord. How you doing? But you don't know what I went through last night. How you doing, sister? Oh, I'm blessed in the Lord. Have you ever heard that? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Highly favored. It almost becomes, it almost becomes like holy robots. I'm not saying that some people don't mean that, but wouldn't it make more sense for us to own up to our pains, own up to our hurts, and offer those things to God? Because in that weakness, in that pain, the power of God can be made strong. I think in this, maybe it's a challenge for us in some of what Paul is saying here against our current firms of pain-free, problem-free Christianity. Against the triumphalism, we conquer all Christianity. Maybe Paul is telling us, hey, I want you to get real. Because sometimes there's going to be pains in your life that you have to endure and it's okay to own up to that because you are weak. You are strong in that weakness. But enough about Paul. Let's, 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 let's get Paul. Let's, let, I like Paul, but let's, let's go to Jesus. Now, a lot of Paul's power and weakness idea is built upon his understanding of Jesus. He sees Jesus as being the ultimate example of this. And when you think about it, it really makes sense. You have the God of all heaven and earth giving the salvation of the entire universe through the crucifixion of a Galilean. Do you understand what I'm saying? The whole salvation of a universe in the, the crucifixion and resurrection of a human being. Can you get any more power, than, power and weakness than that? Can you get any more power and weakness than that? You know how it says, by his stripes, pow, pow, we were healed? Power and weakness. Jesus is seen as the quintessential person that brings light from darkness brings healing from being bruised, bringing life from death. And this means a lot. This means a lot that Christ exhibited what it means to have power in weakness through the Spirit. There is an author, um, I like him, he's a Roman Catholic priest, and he writes tons of pastoral care stuff. His name is Henry Nguyen. Um, some of you might, might have heard of him. And he's written tons of books, and he has this one book that I'd like to say a couple of quotes from. And you'll see why I think it's very important to this message. And the quote starts, The Messiah is sitting among the poor, binding his wounds one at a time, waiting for the moment when he will be needed. So it is with the minister. 
Since it is his task to make visible the first vestiges or signs of liberation for others, he must bind his own wounds carefully in anticipation of the moment when he will be needed. He is called to be the wounded healer. He is called to be the wounded healer, the one who must look after his own wounds, but at the same time be prepared to heal the wounds of others. Thus, like Jesus, he who proclaims liberation is called not only to care for his own wounds and the wounds of others, it's very important, but also to make his wounds into a major source of his healing power but also to make his wounds into a major source of his healing power. Wounded healers, just like Jesus. Someone who can remember and acknowledge their own wounds, their own hurts, their own trials and tribulations, being open to use those to heal others. Being willing to say, hey, I messed up. Being willing to look at the different things you've gone through, the different abuses that you might have suffered, the different things that you might have done in your past, and own that, own the pain of that, but out of that, be open to heal other people. It looks like from what Henry's saying, we ministers have a lot on our table. You know, it's like we, we got a lot to do. You know, we, we have to really not only face our pain, but own up to that pain and then actually try to help others. When y'all say, well, we ministers have a lot to do? Now, here's the thing. In this church, one of the values that we have is that every believer is a minister. Every person that calls on the name of Jesus Christ, every person that believes in Christ is a minister. Everyone is gifted to give the good news of Christ. It is a job of pastors and people on staff to equip you to do the work of the ministry. So what this means is every one of us in this room, every one of us in this room, has to bear this identity. We can all be wounded healers. And we all need wounded healers. We do a great disservice, not only to this body, but to the city at large, to the extent that we do not try to do, become wounded healers. To the extent that all of us work through our pain and actually let God work through us as conduits, we can bring revolution and revival, not only to this church, but to this entire city. That's what we're called to do, correct? It's to really spread the kingdom of God, to push back the kingdom of darkness. We all have to make the decision to become wounded healers. Now, this doesn't mean that you just pour your wounds everywhere, you know, like you just bleeding all over the place. You know, you're going to cause contamination that way. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you hold all of your issues on your sleeve. That's not what I'm saying. Let me, let me, let me get two points about what I'm saying about what it means to be a wounded healer. You can, first of all, use your pain to touch the pain and dependence of others. God can use your pain to touch the pain and dependence, excuse me, of others. Some of the worst, time, some of the worst people to talk to when you've just lost somebody is somebody that has never lost anybody. Because in some way, they cannot truly empathize with what you're going through. And even though they have good intentions, they're liable to say things that you don't need to hear. Oh, well, baby, he's in a better place. Oh, baby, well, you know it's all the will of God. You know, stuff like that. And then they mean well, but maybe because they don't necessarily feel that pain, they haven't taken the time to empathize, they really say things inappropriately. But when you, but when you decide to become that wounded healer, sometimes God can use your pain to make that connection. 
where you can say, I see where you're coming from. Another thing that can happen, and this is two, is you can allow the affliction that you have, allow the, the pain and the hurt that you have by being open, allow that pain to be an opportunity for divine comfort. It is possible for God to work through your pain, but not if you decide to just hold it to yourself. You know, well, this pain is all I have. And, and, and you know, you just hold it and you, and you become bitter and you become more pain and it just becomes a vicious cycle. Instead of allowing God to use that as a divine comfort, not only for you, but for other people. God does want us healed, but he wants us to be purveyors of healing. He wants us to be conduits of healing. I want to give a very, very personal example of this. I, um, I recently went through a divorce process, and um, I would actually say that the pain that I endured through that whole thing was just unimaginable. I, I, I cried buckets of tears, buckets. And, and I, I would just remember just, just days just, just weeping before the Lord and just crying out to God and just feeling, you know, feeling in the midst of it. And even as God, you know, provided much inner healing and, and much, you know, help from, you know, people that I was in accountability with and stuff like that, still feeling, is there a sense that God can truly still use me? I'm too broken. Is there a sense that God can use this pain? Yeah, yeah, I can learn a lesson from it, but is there a sense I can truly use this? And then one day, I came across a man, and um, he was hurting. And at this time, God had really worked some real miracles in my life and my healing. And we talked, and it came to find out that he was in the same situation as far as, you know, being in divorce. And there was, there was a funny thing that happened. When he, when, he, when he would talk to me and he'd say things like, well, I, I cry all night long and, and I feel all this pain, I could identify with what he was feeling. When he said, you know, sometimes I just wish I had my life back. I just wish that I could see my family like I want to. I could identify with that. And God used the healing that he brought to me to speak to that man and say, God has not left you, sir. God is still in your life, sir. God still wants to bring good out of evil, sir. I, I can speak these words to him. And he was comforted. And after that, I, all I could do is I, I, I thought about it, and I looked to God, and I said, thank you. Thank you for using me. Thank you for using my pain to, 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 to help somebody else. Let me tell you something. You may think your painful past has disqualified you, that it's no good for nothing. Let me tell you something. God can use it. You might think that your weakness, your addiction, your, 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 your problems, have basically are they good for nothing but teaching you a lesson? Let me tell you something. God can use you. You might think that your past and your sordid history and stuff like that has completely knocked you out from ministry. Not so. God can use you. God needs people. God needs wounded healers. God needs people that are going to take off the veneer and be real and let God work through them. We have many hurting people, not only in this church, but in this community that need reality. They need empathy. They need the power of God. And we can give that to them. Now, does this mean that everybody who's hurt just, just go directly into service? Of course not. That's not what I'm saying. Like Henry says, the wounded healer must bind their own wounds carefully first. 
But what it means is just because you're wounded does not necessarily knock you out of the business of bringing the good news of God. Understand that. Believe that. Does this mean that you just ought to go looking for pain? Hey, God, here I am. Hurt me, hurt me, please. Give me, give me some pain so I can feel empathy. No, that's not what I'm saying. Let me tell you something. If you keep on living, you're going to get some pain. If you keep on living, you're going to get some hurt. So just, just don't even pray for it. Just wait. You'll get it. But I'm just letting you know that it, when you get that pain and when you have that hurt and when you're afflicted by things and circumstances and people, if you just give that pain to God, God can not only heal you, but use you to transform other people. See, this idea in part, I believe, is what grounds our care groups like the refuge and different things like that. We want to help people bring, we want to help people bring their pain to God so that we can see God work in their lives, so we can see God do miracles every day. It's not about seeing people as problems to be fixed, you know, well, this is that problem and this is that problem. It's about seeing the healing power of God take place. It's about seeing people work, it's about working with people to help them bind their own wounds. And most of all, it's about giving people the opportunity to, like Paul, use their afflictions and their consolations to help other people. It's not about having a repository of wounded people. It's about bringing people closer to God and in doing so, letting them be a conduit to other people. It doesn't matter if it's divorce, sexual struggle, pornography, um, codependency. It doesn't matter what it is. Through these healing things, we hope that we want to provide environments where God can create wounded healers. This is actually what we hope goes on in our community groups. How many people know we need reality in our, in our covenant groups? We need reality in our churches. We need reality in our covenant groups. And we can have that. We do have that. And I thank God for that. But I believe that God can actually grow those things. This is something that's very important and is burning in my heart. And please hear this. You know, our, our vision that basically says it's on the back of this, that says we're trying to be a community of spiritually empowered people that, you know, basically um, reflect God's love and, and, and um, expand God's kingdom. Here's the thing. Being a community of spiritually empowered people who are consumed, not touched, not have a glimpse of, but utterly consumed with the love of God and who really want to work in the power of God, it means we have to be open to being wounded healers. We have to be open to wounded healers. There are too, there's too much at stake. There's too much power of God that is needed in this surrounding area for us to hold that pain. There's too much things that God needs to do through you for you not to open up and let God heal you. And I know, I know it's, it's a hard thing. It's a risky thing. It's a risky thing. But if Paul, if Paul is right here, if you do that, if you, if you give God your pain, if, if you can give God the suffering that you might have been going through for months or years, if you give that to God, not only can he heal you, but he can work miracles in your life and the life of people you know. And we need that if we are truly to take the power and love to God, love of God to people that are hurting, we have to be open to be wounded healers. I'm not the only one that can do what I did. Everyone in this room can do that. But we have to be open. We have to be available because there's different hurts. You have, you have certain hurts and certain issues that I don't have. I have certain hurts and issues that you don't have. But guess what? If we all bring those things to God, look at how many people we can actually serve. Look how many people we can actually help. My message is very, very, very simple. 
don't hold your wounds to yourself. I understand that they're there. I understand that it's painful and you don't like to let anybody see. But don't keep your wounds to yourself. If you would be open to love, if you would be open to God, if you would really be willing to risk letting that out and letting, saying, God, look, I, I'm broken and I messed up and I don't believe I, I can do ministry, but I want you to take this anyway. If you'll let the God and Father of mercies and consolation heal you and use you, we can spread this kingdom so much more efficiently, so much more effectively. And I believe that God wants that. I believe God has that for this body. We have enough power in these walls to make, bring such revival to this city. It would, be, it would be a phenomenon. I believe that. And we're going to be hurt and we're going to be tested. But I want to just let us know that if we are willing to stand and we're willing to endure that weakness together and give that weakness to God, that we could have a powerful move of God that none of us has ever seen before. We can have that and we can be that. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads, please? <clears throat> there might be some here who have never, ever felt the healing touch of Jesus in your life. I mean, you've heard about Jesus, you, you've thought about Jesus, and, and you've had opinions about Jesus, but as far as knowing that he's the God that wants to heal you, maybe you didn't think about that. You might be here today. There might be some here that actually know Jesus. You've had a relationship with Jesus for a long time, but you're hurting. You've been abused. You have abused. Or, or, or maybe you've, you've been separated from loved ones or, 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 or all kinds of different things. You've been addicted to things. You've been, you've been hurt by things. And that hurt is still there. And you're just longing longing to be healed. Some, some of you might be in the process of healing. You might be in one of our care groups or, or healing through your covenant group or whatever, and you're still in that process, but you are secretly wondering, and you never tell anybody, but in the back of your mind, it's like, can God ever really use me? I'm so scarred. I'm so messed up. I'm so broken. Can God really use me? If you're here with all those things, I'm just here to let you know that God is here and he is available and yes Jesus can use you he can heal you I want to say a prayer for all those people right now Lord we come to you right now Lord Jesus we, we, we want to be loving. We, we want to be a community of people that just, just, just want to radiate your love, Lord, but we're afraid sometimes because it hurts. It hurts to be vulnerable, Lord God. And we want to be strong and we want to be powerful, Lord God. But we're realizing, we're beginning to realize, Father, that the true source of power is you, Lord. So, Father, right now we just come to you just... just unmasking ourselves, Lord, just, just bringing ourselves before you. Father, we pray right now that your spirit would rest upon us right now, rest upon this place, Lord, and begin or continue that healing work right now. We cannot do it by ourselves, Lord. We need you to do it. We want to be wounded healers, Father. Sometimes we just don't know how. Sometimes we, we just want to fight against it, Lord God. But we want to be those wounded healers, Lord God. Please just make yourself manifest to us today or this day. 
Make yourself manifest in our lives. Make yourself manifest in that process, Lord God, because we need you. We look up to you on this Father's Day, Father, our Heavenly Father. We look to you to provide what we need for this hour. Father, I pray blessings upon each and every person here, Lord God, that has any one of these categories, that's in any one of these categories, Lord God. And I think to some extent we all are. Give us the grace. Continue to give us the grace and the strength. Father, and in our weakness, be that power to continue moving on, to keep on keeping on, Lord God. For it is only in you that we can stand. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like us to stand. If I could have um, the, some of the prayer warriors, prayer ministers, um, the care of people come forth. As we're standing, if we have some of the prayer ministers, just the prayer warriors come forth. I really believe, I really believe that God wants to make us those wounded healers. And I dare, I dare everyone in this room, I dare all of us to truly seek to be those wounded healers. There might be some pains in your life that you really just want to lay out there and lay before God, and this altar's open. These prayer warriors are here. If you want to continue that process, if you want to start on that process, now's the time. If you want to, maybe you've never, if you're just now accepting Jesus Christ, we have a new believers table over there for you. I want, to, I want you to remember this before I dismiss you. God loves you and God wants to use you no matter where you've been no matter what you've done no matter who you think you are God can use you and God wants to use you because he loves you and you're so precious to him so again as I dismiss if you want prayer please come up let God work with you today and may the God of Father and mercies bless you as you go throughout your day thank you